Thanks for checking out The Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week. Hey, what's up, Bridge Church? I am Chris, uh, the lead pastor here at the Bridge Church, and uh, my wife, Heather, uh, we're married, yeah, and uh, we got five kids, and we're just excited what God's doing, and uh, you've been seeing me for a few of these video messages, don't worry, I'll be back before you know it, but uh, kudos to our team and everybody there, we miss you, and uh, can't wait to see you, but I've just been praying that God would speak to you through these video uh, sermons, and uh, I'm excited for today, and I'm excited for what God wants to do in your life and this morning. And so I pray that you're having an awesome day, and uh, we'll go from there this morning. And we're in our we're in our third part of this video series called Warrior. Now I know you've heard some other people speak, and and I know you have a lot of things that you've taken in this summer, which have been great. Uh, this is the third message in this four four message series that I want to share with you uh, this morning. And so what I want want to do is since we've had some gaps is kind of get you caught back up on everything that's taken place so far and so we're in the book of Nehemiah we're part three of this warrior series and the first thing in chapter one is that we learn that Nehemiah has this job he's cupbearer to the king King Artaxerxes Um, basically he finds out the walls of Jerusalem have been destroyed and he asks King Artaxerxes to go back in chapter two he says can I go back and rebuild this wall he the king could have killed him for even requesting such a thing in his presence. And, and the king said yes. And, and the king even sent him letters and sent him uh, sealed letters, sent him you know people that would get him wood to help rebuild the wall, everything. And so it's cool to see how God really played a part in this. And so we've looked at Nehemiah, who's really been a visionary warrior. He's been a prayer warrior. And he's been a sending warrior. And so I want to look at a different form of warrior of whom he is this morning. I pray that God would encourage you uh, through it. And so remember, we first started with the visionary warrior. God put a vision on his heart. And then he prayed that through. And remember, just a portion of that prayer was really the petition to God. And then we talked about the sending warrior. Remember, last time together via video, God's God's, um, prayer that he heard Nehemiah pray was, Please send me. I pray that's resonated uh, with you. And then uh, in general, Nehemiah is just this warrior stud, man. He wants to go and do these things. And so he starts on his journey in chapter 3 to go back. And and, uh, after he assesses the wall and the damage, he finds what's needed to really be rebuilt. He finds out what needs to be done, how much it's going to cost. He looks at the entire project. He becomes a project manager and says, this is what we're going to do to fix everything. And then what happens in chapter 4, where we're going to pick up this morning, is we see something where he he faces a little opposition, uh, not a little, he faces a ton of opposition to what's about to unfold. Uh, before we get started, this is my prayer this morning for you, is that the other guests who have been speaking on my behalf have been speaking into your life. I pray that it's been life-giving and speaking to your heart, and I pray that this message this morning um, does that as well. Thank you again for this time on sabbatical, and uh, look forward to seeing you guys here soon. 
Um, we're not going to read every verse here this morning in chapter 4, and we're not going to look at the verses in chapter 3. So again, I encourage you to go back and read. Read the whole book in its ent- entirety. Take you about an hour and a half to do that, but don't start in the book of Nehemiah. Start in the book of Ezra and read all the way through Ezra and Nehemiah. In the Old Testament, Ezra and Nehemiah is one book, and so read it in its entirety to see what God was really doing, and you'll pull out some really cool themes um, within the book. There's tons of themes. We could preach on this till Christmas if we wanted to, Um, but I highly, highly encourage you to read Nehemiah on your own in one sitting. That's my challenge for you this week, Um, even before we get to the end of the message. I challenge you to do that. We're going to pick up this point um, in chapter 4. Here's what's taking place right now where we find ourselves in the story. The people, the Jews and the people that Nehemiah has talked to, to come rebuild the wall, are rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And so he went. God sent him. They're building. Things are happening. It's taking place. It's moving. And as they labored to build the walls, what happened is they faced constant opposition to their work. In fact, they became, with the vision God had put on Nehemiah's heart that he shared with the people that got behind him and they worked together for a common cause and a common goal, they eventually became weary. They became weary in doing good. They became discouraged, but they never, ever once stopped their work. It's incredible. They just kept on. You know, the enemy had no way in there, and eventually what took place is they completed their task and they were victorious over their attackers. They completed their task. They were victorious over their attackers. Just as they were wall-building warriors, so are you, but with a slightly different sense. And so I want to look at you this morning as a wall-building warrior. You might say, well, what does that mean? There's not a physical wall that I'm to rebuild. You're right, but you are a wall-building warrior. And we we don't build a physical wall, but we build a spiritual one. We build walls that basically, they separate our lives from the ungodliness that surrounds us every day, okay, that's at hand. And we build these these walls that are designed to protect us from the enemy, not to be not in the world. Remember, Jesus said, be in the world, but not of it. And so these walls that we build, these spiritual walls, we're wall-building warriors, are to protect us while we're in the world so we're not affected by by the enemy or the things of the world or by our own flesh. That's what a wall-building warrior is. And so Nehemiah gives us this great demonstration, a historical you know thing that takes place is him actually rebuilding the wall. And so he's, he's accomplishing his vision. He's seeing it happen. But a wall-building warrior, let me tell you, can become extremely discouraged. Um, I, I consider myself a wall-building warrior warrior. And uh, many of you know, I was a boy scout. I'm I'm still nerdy outdoors guy. I love the outdoors. And uh, I remember being in boy scouts. One of the most times that I became extremely discouraged because I was very much a warrior and outdoors guy. And my dad and I, and our scout troop, we went up to Motley down the Motley river. If you've ever been up there and our scout leaders, I was pretty young. They mapped it out. This was before GPS or any, anything, and so they, they had a little map, and they mapped out from point A to point B, and they thought it was three miles. This three-mile canoe trip was actually 23 miles, and so we get on the, you know, on the canoe trip, and we're thinking, oh, this is going to be a couple, you know, a couple hours, but my dad and I, we were prepared, and so we had a two coolers. We had one cooler filled with candy. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, we had good candy. We had gummy worms. We had root beer barrels. Any root beer barrel fans? You ever had like the real 
A&W root beer barrels, those are the, the generic ones are fine, but if you have the A&W root beer barrels, they're hard to find. Oh man, they're awesome. And, uh, and then we had Gatorade in one of the other coolers because it was like 95 degrees this day. And so we were hot, so we were prepared. And so remember, this canoe trip is supposed to take three miles, it's actually 23. Well, we're, we've gone probably seven, eight, nine, ten miles down the, down the river canoeing and we don't see anything you know, no form of bridge that we're supposed to stop at and get out. It's because it was a stinking another 10 to 13 miles down the river. And so we get out on the river to somebody's house and we go and we ask them. We say, hey, here's, here's the bridge that we're looking for. How far away are we? We're excited. We've been good. We're prepared. We're ready. And, and they're like, uh, they look at us like we're crazy. It's 95 degrees. What are you doing in a canoe, first of all, with a bunch of, you know, scouts? And they said, you have another 10 to 13 miles to go down this river. And we're like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? So we get back into the canoe. My dad and I, we start canoeing. And my dad and I, we're, we're big canoers. And so uh, at that time, they, the canoe, uh, the, the scout troop had us actually go ahead and move forward. And so we get out again, and, and we're ahead of them finally. We get out, we ask, how far left do we have? Well, you have about five to six miles left on this trip. And I'm thinking, this has got to end soon. And so we get back into our canoe. The scout troop had met up with us. Their canoes finally reached our canoe. And... And I got down there, got back in, and I'm parched by this time. And we've been trying to, you know, save our, our Gatorades and our, our root beer barrels and stuff. And I get in, and I was excited. And so I went for one of the big Gatorades. And I, I, I was like, wow, that looks kind of different. Well, somebody had drank all of our Gatorade, every single one. It was these scouts. Ridiculous. I wanted to punch them all in the face. They, t- they took our Gatorades. They they drank them all and they filled them up not only did they drink them and tell us or even ask us but then they filled it with river water and put it back in the cooler so i was like whatever i'm you know i'm, I'm okay and so then i i went for a root beer barrel just to have something on my throat because it was extremely hot i opened it up not only did they eat every single root beer barrel and gummy worm they actually took the time, I can't believe this, took the time to take mud out of the bank of the river and twist it back into the root beer barrel wrapper. And I'm sitting there, I was, I was like, are you kidding me? And I have to tell you, we're, we're planners and my dad, we're outdoor warriors, man. And I was discouraged. I was, I didn't, I'm like, none of, nobody here's my friend. I'm done. You know, I, I don't want to do Boy Scouts again. Here's the deal. When we have a plan, when God starts giving us a plan to do something, like God gave Nehemiah to rebuild this wall, when God has given you a plan to accomplish the vision that he has for your life, there's going to be times where stuff happens, where it's going to get discouraging if you let it. So this one, the first thing I want to look at is this. As a wall-building warrior, you don't have to look for trouble. It will find you. Yeah, all right. I'm glad I came to church today. Thank you, Pastor Chris. I'm going to leave now. No, just stay with me for a few more minutes. You don't have to look for trouble. If you're a wall-building warrior, it will know where to find you. Why is that? Why is that? You see, if you're a wall-building warrior, you know exactly what I mean. You've seen this happen in your life. For those that, that don't know what it means... You know, we pray, we do good, and we're following God's plan. We think, you know, I'm in the Word, and, and I'm doing what He asks, and yet it seems like it's this constant battle. Why is that? Because there is a constant battle. There's a constant battle for you, for, for your spirit, for your soul. It's a constant battle between the world and the things of God, back and forth, and it's this pull, back and forth. And so our 
war that we wage is not against the principalities of this world, but the principalities of evil and of darkness. And so it's this constant battle between heaven and hell that's pulling us back and forth. And so as a wall-building warrior, you don't have to look for trouble. It will find you. Well, Pastor Chris, I thought if I give my life to Christ, everything's going to be great. Well, it's great because we know that in the end, we get to receive Christ and receive eternal life. And so the life we live now, this is the worst it ever gets. Okay, This is the worst it ever gets. For us without Christ, this is the best it ever gets. And so we need to know where we lie in that. Let's open up here the book of Nehemiah this morning. Um, The trouble in Nehemiah chapter 4 actually comes from two places that I want to address this morning. And if you don't have a Bible, you can download the YouVersion app. Uh, You can just download it on your iPad or or your Samsung or your Droid or your tablet, whatever, and you can follow along. Otherwise, look on with a friend this morning. Nehemiah chapter 4, the first... uh, Three verses, Nehemiah chapter 4. When Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite who is at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> I think he is. Tobiah is like the guy in this story that I just want to smack. Okay, He's the guy that's always up in Nehemiah's business. He's always saying, you can't do it. It's not going to be done. Do you have naysayers in your life for the vision God has given you? Here, read verses 7 and 8 with me. Verses 7 and 8. Just skip a few down. You can read the others on your own. But when Samballot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard the repairs of Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, here's where the rubber hits the road. They were angry, the Bible says. Verse 8. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble against it. Also our enemies said... Before they know it, verse 11, just skip two with me, verse 11. Also our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to their work. That's quite the threat. So trouble comes from two places. First of all, it comes from without. You see these... These people that are outside of the wall, they're outside of Jerusalem, they're outside even the fold of God, of what God is doing. And so trouble can come in the form of mockery or the form of intimidation, or the form of naysayers against what God has called you to do. In this, in this term, what Nehemiah was doing. And many times it's tough for someone in the world to fully understand what it is you're doing for God. Because if people aren't people of God, they can't understand the things of God. The Bible's very clear about that. Um, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I love is sports radio. I love sports radio. And uh, I, I like listening to uh, Paul Allen on, on uh, 100.3 KFAN. And then I also like in the afternoon, sometimes I can handle him as the common man. I don't know if you ever listen to the common man from, I think he's on from like noon to three on the weekdays. Well, a few years ago, I was listening to the common man and, and he was talking and he started bashing Christians. And he started kind of bashing the church and he, and he started, he started talking about the tithe and he started talking about, you know, what pastors require and, and all this stuff. And I was going, I was getting mad and I'm sitting there going, are, are you kidding me? He's like, yeah. And they, they make them become members and, and, and all of this. And so finally I was, he didn't ask for people to call in. I picked up the phone and I called and I said, hi, my name is Chris. I'm a pastor in the Twin Cities area. I want to talk. 
And so they put me on air with the common man. And I'm starting to get drilled. He's like, so do you, do you believe in, in the tithe? I said, yeah. And he just starts ripping into me. And I said, and I was just very content. I was very polite, very compassionate. But it could have easily torn me down with my convictions and my faith. And so here I am on the, new, you know, on the news radio, or not news radio, on K-Fan radio. And I'm talking to the common man. I'm going, all right, God, whatever you want to do, you just do. And then I got a text from a couple of buddies. Hey, was that just you? I heard you on common man. And so it was kind of fun to, to talk about nowadays. But all the time, people of the world are watching you just to get in because they're angry with you. And I think sometimes that anger, it comes from without because they don't have something within. And so the second part where that anger comes from is it comes from within. If you go to verse 10, which we didn't look at yet, it says this. Meanwhile, and I want you to catch this very carefully. It's a little tricky here um, from a biblical interpretation standpoint. But verse 10, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. So now it's not coming from without people. It's coming from people within. And there is, so the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Why were they saying this? Were they discouraged? Were they downtrodden? Here's the real story of what was happening. These people, if you read through the rest of Nehemiah, those in Judah who were complaining were actually physically related to Tobiah, one of the mockers. And so not only was it on the outside, they were related to Tobiah, uh, who was one of the mockers, who was one of the naysayers, the guy that I want to punch in the face. And so they were trying to stir things up from within since they sided with Tobiah. It was basically what the Bible says, a, a sheep and wolves clothing is what was taking place. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. The best defense we can have when it comes to us being attacked with the vision that God has placed on and we start doing things for the kingdom of God The best defense is a good offense. Now, I have some really bad news. Uh, When we recorded this, the twins at this time, when we recorded this, I hope they're doing better. You'll have to let me know. But when we recorded this message for today, the twins were 0-8. Are you kidding me? The only other team in the entire baseball league that's doing that bad was the Braves. And I'm thinking, these were two World Series teams, you know, 20 years ago. When trouble came, though, Nehemiah, what he did was he didn't get all defensive mouse-like. He got on the offense. He got on the offense. Now, I'll be really honest with you. I'm a very easygoing, compassionate guy. But if you mess with my faith or if you question my faith, then all of a sudden Mama Bear rises up. And Mama Bear is bigger than Papa Bear. You know what I mean? And uh, I remember a few years ago, we had a youth conference that was down at Target Center. Not Target Center, excuse me, the convention center called Acquire the Fire. Maybe you've been there before. Huge youth conference. And we had, uh, you know, 15, 20 kids. I don't remember how many kids with us. And we, uh, during the conference, it was a Friday, Saturday conference. And that Friday, we went into the city center to get lunch. And so we're walking through the city center. And we were at a place where there wasn't a ton of restaurants. And we finally got to one called Herbert and Gerberts. It's a sub shop. If you ever had it? We get to Herbert and Gerberts. And we're standing out front of the sub shop. And, and I'm talking to the kids, and it's been a, just an incredible conference, and you've just seen these kids go on fire for God. And what I mean by on fire from God is they were getting excited about it. They were making their life from just being about God to, or from, you know, being about God to actually, hey, what are we going to do for God, you know, within our youth ministry? And, and I'm walking, and in walks this guy that I've never seen before in my life. And he says, I hate what you're doing. And he starts yelling at my kids, at my youth. He says, I hate what you're doing. And he says, it's not, it's not going to work. 
And he starts going, and then he starts swearing at my teenagers. Like, and I'm talking, not, not just like, you know, little swear words. I'm talking like the, the big, the ones that start with like the letter after E kind of ones, you know. And he's just yelled at them at the top of his lungs. And I'm sitting there going, what do I do? I want to be compassionate. This man needs Christ. And I'm thinking, I don't know if this guy is possessed. I have no idea. And so I, I had the kids right here. And I stood between the kids and this man. And I just said this. I said, I said, in the name of Jesus, you get out of here now. And he walked away. He just walked away. And I was like, thank you, God. I thought I was going to die for a moment. I thought, my, you know, I thought the kids are going to experience great testimony and my wife's not going to be able to hear about it from me. There comes a point in time, though, where you've got to take a stand. You have to take a stand with your faith. Nehemiah does that with the vision that God gives him. Nehemiah, what he does throughout chapter 4 is he gives us a strategy for battle. Okay, warriors go to battle. They don't just defend, they offend. And so he encourages us with five attitudes of going to battle. The first, you ready? We've talked about this the first two series. Be prayerful. Again, we see Nehemiah going back to God and praying. Verses 4 and 5 here in chapter 4, Nehemiah says, Hear us, our God, for we are despised. And I love this prayer. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. That is like smack talk. That is like a smack prayer. Like, I don't even have the guts to pray that kind of prayer that Nehemiah prayed. Like, just throw their insults back on their head. But here's the deal. God and Nehemiah had this incredible relationship. It wasn't long distance. It was a, you know, a dial-up relationship where Nehemiah could talk to God right away. Every Warrior message so far, we see Nehemiah praying. Hmm, I wonder if there's a theme there. I wonder. The first strategy, man, be prayerful. Be prayerful. And again, here's the deal. He's looking to God. He's praising God. He knows that God has his back. And when we know God has our back, we know that he has our back better than we can have our own back. And so he knew that God was fighting on his behalf, not just Nehemiah fighting. So first, be prayerful. That's one of the attitudes he gives us or as a strategy for battle. The second one is this. Be alert. Be alert. Okay? Verse 9, it says, but we prayed to our God. Again, we're praying. And we, but, but then we did something. We posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. I love this. Nehemiah prays. And then he posts a guard day and night to meet this threat. Sometimes I think what happens is we pray and then we think we don't have to do anything. Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes we're waiting on God, but sometimes God's waiting on us. Did you catch that? Sometimes we're waiting on God, but sometimes God is waiting on us. The third thing Nehemiah looks at for a strategy for battle is be prepared. You go back to my, my dad and I, we're in scouts. The scout motto is what? Be prepared. Be prepared. The only reason our root beer barrels had mud in them and our Gatorade was gone, the only reason is because we were prepared. We were prepared. And so people took those, you know, and drank it and ate the root beer barrels. We, you know, we would have shared gladly. Verse 16 and 20, I'm not going to read them just for time's sake this morning, but verse 16 through 20, it talks about how half of them, half of the workers of the wall, this is families, this is people, you know, this is men, this is women, this is children. This is everybody a part of the wall of Jerusalem. Those that lived in certain parts of the wall. It said all of them had a sword in one hand and a tool in the other. 
Now, not every single person, that's, it's not going to look like that. It's not um, specifically talking about every person. But what Nehemiah is stating is that they were ready. They were ready for battle. They were prepared in season and out of season to do what God had asked them to do. They had an army that wasn't just on the defense. They didn't just wait until somebody got into the walls and then they... No, they went on the offense. It might look like they were on the defense just waiting for somebody to attack. But they prayed. They prayed their insults back on these people. You know, they went to spiritual warfare, not just physical warfare. The fourth is this. Be united. Be united. This is really a direct charge to the church today. And I'm, I'm thankful we have an incredibly united church. Verse 19 through 23 talks about how they were spread out around this wall. You've got to remember, this is a wall around the entire city of Jerusalem. Even if we put a wall around all of St. Francis or all of now then, you know, not all of us are going to be right next to each other. And so he was concerned that they were all together in unity in case anything was to, to happen or somebody was to you know, attack at one part of the wall, he didn't want one part of the wall to remain defenseless. And so they came up with a, a military strategy as they were united. He said, any time uh, you hear the trumpet, we're all to get together. And that was the only way they could, they could reach out to all of them. Now we had cell phones. They didn't have that back in the day. But this is why everything that we do at, at the bridge is about life-giving. Okay? When, we, when we have people come to us and go, Pastor, God's put it on my heart to, to do X, Y, Z. That's great, but we are only going to do it at the bridge because we want to remain united if it does two things, essentially three things. One, is it life-giving, the thing and the vision that God's placed on your heart? Does it unite with everything else? Is it life-giving? Two, does it connect people with eternal life? And then three, does it follow our, vi- our, our vision mission? And then third, does it follow our values? You can read through the values on, on the website. Um, but if it doesn't do those three things, then we're not going to do it. Because then we're not unified as, as a church. You didn't have one family around the wall of Jerusalem going, you know what, we're going to go to Dairy Queen for the day, we'll be back later. No, they were all united. They all served the same purpose, the same vision. You know, I, I heard an illustration here where you talk about unity. And it says if you have 100 pianos out of tune, and you're all playing at the same time, it sounds like a mess. It's just awful. But if you have a hundred pianos that are all in tune to each other with the same tuning fork, it sounds like a symphony. It's incredible. The last attitude he talks about in strategy for battle is be determined. Be determined. They were sold out for the cause of completing the wall. They were sold out. They were like, we're doing this. We got this. No matter what opposition comes, we got this. My prayer is that us as a church, we are that sold out to what Christ wants to do. I pray that you individually, you are that sold out for what God wants to do in your life. Are you, let me ask you, are you determined to be a Christ follower? No matter who attacks you, no matter what happens, are you determined? Because it's either about your character or it's about your circumstance. If your circumstance dedicate or dictate your relationship with God, then it's not about our character. Your character needs to dictate whether or not you're a Christ follower. Are you determined to be a contender? You know, I believe that we're either contenders or we're consumers. What has God called you to be? Be a contender. We need you. We want you to be a part of what God is doing here. We want you to be a part of what God is doing in your workplace. We want you to be a part of what God is doing in your family. We want you to be a part of what God's doing in your school, wherever. Are you determined not to just do church, but to be church? And then are you determined not to give up in the face of adversity like Nehemiah? 
Are you bold? Are you a bold wall warrior? A wall building warrior? Or do you flail in adversity? Are you willing to keep on keeping on? Okay, or, or do you give up easily? You know, the tough keep going when the going gets tough, that old adage. You see, when trouble arises, there has to be a determination that is greater than opposition. I want to say that one more time. Write this down if you can this morning. When trouble arises, there has to be a determination that is greater than opposition. The last is this. Some things are worth fighting for. Some things aren't, but some things are worth fighting for. My father-in-law gave me great marital wisdom, and I was about uh, a year before Heather and I were going to get married, and I remember going to my father-in-law's house. You know, I'd already asked for Heather's hand in marriage, and we talked, and I said, what's, what's like the one thing, and we were to interview a, you know, a couple before we got married, I said, what's the one thing or, that you would tell me, or wisdom, and, and Heather wasn't there for the moment, in fact, I don't even know if she knows this to this day, what he told me. And he just said what he does when him and his wife get in an argument, he just asks whether or not to keep on in the argument, is it worth it? Is it, is it worth it? And he just asked him that himself under his breath. And so that has helped me in 16 years of marriage to go, is that fight worth it or is it not? So let me ask you, what are the things worth fighting for as a wall-building warrior? I want to give you three. There could be more that you have Our faith is worth fighting for. You see, their enemies did not want them to sacrifice to the Lord or engage in worship with the true God. Our enemy, the devil, Satan, he roars around like a lion ready to devour us. He doesn't want us to engage in that relationship with God. And so your faith is worth fighting for. Second, our families are worth fighting for. Nehemiah reminded this in verse 14. It was a lot of families that lived right along the wall. Okay? If they didn't take a stand, their families would have perished. You have to take a stand. I want to talk to the men for one moment. If you're a man, I want you to listen to me really close right now. And, and otherwise, your wife's going to nudge you. Uh, if you're not married, if you're a single guy, that's all right. Somebody else should nudge you. If you're a man, God has called you to be the spiritual head of your household. God has called you to be that warrior. Not because you're all that in a bag of Doritos, Okay? but because God has called you to be Christ-like and compassionate to your family and to lead them in their fight for their faith. Don't want your family to flail or perish. So step up. Our future, third, is worth fighting for. Nehemiah knew that if they caved, the en- if they caved into the enemy, the battle was over. Okay, They knew that. And so Hebrews 3.13, it says this, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I want to repeat it one more time. My favorite verse in all the Bible, Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In other words, we're to encourage each other. Okay, the future, here in Hebrews 3.13 it says, as long as it is called today. That today is capitalized in this sentence. The reason is, is because this is before the end of the world or before Armageddon or before Christ comes back, whatever you want to call it. Before Jesus returned, it's saying we're to encourage okay, each other in our faith journey within the future. Bill Hybels says this. He says the local church is the hope of the world. I, I love that. 
we're the hope of the world. I agree with that. You know, we're different than any other entity on church because we have what can connect people with eternal life. That's Jesus. I want to close with this. God wants us to be in the wall-building business. I wonder what the Lord could do with us if we all determined that we would be all He's called us to be. What could He do if His church took a stand for the things of God and refused to back down? What could He do if we were all the way His? Completely surrendered to Christ. He took a ragtag group of what we call disciples and he turned the world upside down. So think, what can he do with us? The possibilities are only limited by what we are determined to do and to allow him to do in our lives. That's where it's at. Hey, have a great rest of your week. We're going to worship one more time together this morning. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.